Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's covered in rats. I'm Alex. <laughs> when you walk into a museum and you're like, this'll be fine, what's so scary about a bunch of paintings? Well, this episode says, watch out for paintings! <laughs> I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 5, Episode 14, Chapter 90, The Night Gallery. This is an episode directed by none other than Mainshin Abbott, making a triumphant return to the show after directing the Season 4 finale, Killing Mr. Honey. And I'll tell you what, they got to keep putting her on these weird, surreal, dreamlike episodes because she's killing it. This was one of my favorite episodes of the whole of the whole series. This was so wow. good. I, I really like this episode. Wow. Me too, Pete. What did you think? You looked a little conflicted when we got on here. Was this too scary for you? Or are you it scared was. Right now? There was a okay. lot of scary stuff. Plus, <laughs> New York City has changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, for, I didn't know. For those of you that don't know, Pete used to live in New York and then he yeah. moved away, and that's when it's shit went thing. to hell. Yeah. yeah, yeah there's good there's sinkholes too. everywhere. Man, just can open up and just grab mm-hmm. people. I had this thing where I was talking to two rat kings at the same time. Oh. It was a long <laughs> night. Long night. Man. That's great. I miss that New York, you know, since the pandemic, you used to go out, chat with the rat king, you buy your book. Good times. 
Good times. Uh, yeah, I know. I still so keep in touch with So to give you a little my... bit of recap, because there is a bunch of things that you need to know going into this episode, even though we're getting three ghoulish tales of terror oh. throughout. The first one is that Archie has been dealing with his PTSD from his time at war. Meanwhile, Cheryl has been dealing with Hiram Lodge trying to buy her Blossom Maple Farms. She didn't know this yet. We find out that she found out sometime between episodes. But Hiram wants the Blossom Maple Farms because there is a rich vein of palladium, a very expensive metal, that is right below the Maple Farms. Now, meanwhile, the other thing that's going on with Cheryl is that she struck up a little bit of a romance slash... I don't even know what you would call it, with a woman named Minerva, who was an art dealer. I mean, there's a lot Romance, of Romance, death dance, yeah, uh, you never know. When we last saw Minerva, her Cheryl's mom had said that they were going to sacrifice her to a wind god. Cheryl mm-hmm. called out Min Min, and Min Min ran away. And that's the last we saw of Minerva up until this episode. So a little bit of a fraught relationship there, one might say. Also... Cheryl, in the meantime, has started up a ministry, though that plays a little less into this episode. Jumping over to Betty, there was a big cliffhanger at the end of the last episode where Betty and Tabitha captured a trucker who Betty thinks is responsible for either kidnapping and or killing Polly Cooper, her sister, as well as many other young girls along the Lonely Highway. Betty, no longer uh, a with the of, FBI. Yeah, go ahead. A lot of trucker, a lot of truckers don't actually go on vacation. They just assume they're going to be captured for like a weeks at a time, <laughs> yeah. and that's sort of like a staycation in a lot of ways. To catch a trucker, I could, I could use a good capturing. To be honest, you know. Ah, let me see what I can do for you, Alex. Thanks, man. Really you appreciate spot that. My Make some calls. So (laughs) Betty took him hostage instead of turning over to the FBI. She is no longer with the FBI, as we found out, as one does. And the last thing we should probably mention is something happened to Jughead back during his time in New York. We know Mm. he was definitely getting very wasted. We know he was not writing a whole lot of stuff. We know he left a very bad voicemail for Betty. His high school girlfriend. We didn't know the specifics there, but we do know that he was trying to figure out his trauma. And last we saw him, he was heading back to New York with a trucker. Bad idea, (laughs) Jughead. Yep. To find out what was going on there. Uh, And as we find out this episode, nothing really happened with the trucker and he's fine. It's fine. You got to assume he rode back down to Riverdale, rode back up to Riverdale with the trucker as well. So he's yeah, it must be it must be nice being a dude on the lonely highway. You can ride wherever you want, no problems. Mm -hmm. You know, good times, good times. Uh, So those uh, that's the basic thing that you need, basic things, excuse me, that you need to know with the episode. Uh, The other thing is this is a part of a long tradition of Riverdale doing three short tales style episodes, going all the way back to. I believe season two with Tales from the Dark Side, there was the Man in Black in season three and season four. I guess the Killing Mr. Honey one maybe held that uh, title. I I don't know. There might have been another episode I'm forgetting about. But whatever it is, this one is the Night Gallery. It's actually specifically based on a Rod Serling show called Night Gallery, where he basically did what Cheryl did in the episode, where he'd walk around, show three paintings, and be like, look at this painting. Is it a creepy? Now look at a, here's a creepy tale about him. And that's what she does here. Uh, And I love that format. I think it's great. Yes. I agree. I mean, this... The the ways that Re- Riverdale references other things, I feel mm-hmm. like, has been getting better and better over the course of the series. And this episode was just uh, just great, using Night Gallery as a framing device, and then just all the different um, uses of horror movie uh, references, shots that uh, Machin Amick does throughout these uh, these three stories was so well done. I thought. 
Uh, I really enjoyed. We get some Blair Witch stuff. We get a mm-hmm. lot of uh, sort of Sam Raimi style uh, shaky face cam. Uh, we get a shot that feels like it was right out of um, Christine, the Stephen King car movie, right? Uh, we, we just get a ton of, we get the Fisher King Christine's sort of the reference. Car, Cujo is the dog. They both have Oh, uh, yeah, the Fisher King for sure. Carries so the punch bowl. Yeah. Let's all keep our the, Stephen this King. This is jumping ahead, but also, I, I do think... Oh yeah, go Justin, ahead. you're forgetting to talk about how great the paintings are. I mean, that's Beautiful. that was really fun. Mm-hmm. I kept, I was like, man, I can't wait for what the next painting. And they never let you down. I mean, come on. That chainsaw one was beautiful. The Archie Minor one was hilarious. I, I think Cheryl gave him extra abs. What do you guys think? I didn't actually yeah. count, but... She wants to flatter. Despite mm-hmm. the horror nature of their tales, you want to look good. You want well, to look good know. in we your horror paintings. Ads. You start looking like a very muscly centipede is what I think is going on there, but... Mm. Oh, you you think maybe the real horror was just how much he's isolated his individual abdominal <laughs> muscles? He has like the 16 focus. to 32 abs, something around there. Wow. In some ways, he's in a prison of his own six-pack. So I think we could hang any of those paintings comfortably in any of our homes without <laughs> anyone questioning <laughs> ourselves. Well, and I, I also love this episode because if you go back and listen to our podcast with Denise Nadredre, she mentioned that she sources all of these paintings from a local painter, got like 50 of them done for this season. So it is super fun to see them and see yeah. them in the same art style. Uh, yeah. Even if maybe I think uh, Minerva calls them out as, wait, I wrote this down, Goya, Dolly and Bacon. Yeah, eh, a little, a little iffy there, but no, I think that was a baked beans recipe. Uh, Goya beans, bacon. Yeah, what's the dolly? What's the dolly? Dolly. Um, well, that's you just shake a little um, yeah. of your favorite uh, doll. The secret to a over. really good chili is a floppy clock. Yeah, throw one of those in there. Wow, oh, you got yourself mm, a stew. So spice. Let's. Let's walk through this. You know, it's funny. A lot of stuff happens, but it is in these three distinct pieces. Uh, So we could talk the overall story or we could just walk through it. I think let's just walk through it and see what happens. So we start off with Rain. Cheryl uh, is there at the door. Don't sacrifice me. Hilarious. Very fun. Even up here, it sets it up perfectly with the rain and the crashing thunder and lightning. Cheryl, I believe when she closes the door, looks directly at the camera. Right yep. at the top yep. there, yep. which is very fun as well. Uh, Minerva says she's worried about being sacrificed to a crimson god. Cheryl has a new painting. She says the title, Welcome to My Night Gallery. And then they cut to a painting of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing, which is very yep. fun. Like, that was very fun. It's good. And painting memes. Great idea. Great idea. And then we get Archie's story. Now, to just sort of talk through Archie's story here, and then we can pull out specific moments. Archie is dealing Wait, with his PTSD. He's going he, to a therapist. What's up, Pete? I didn't you, even you get sure like you, one sentence into this. Yeah, I know. But you sure you don't want to talk about his painting more before we get into the actual story? I did write down Archie shirtless minor. That was just a random note that I wrote down. But that's sort of my main reaction to it. Did you have more you wanted to say, Pete? I just thought it was like a really hilarious way to start, like this uh, shirtless minor picture of, picture of Archie. I thought I, I just thought it was uh, it's really whoever the artist is. Kudos, man. This was awesome. You want to capture your subject in uh, looking their best. And uh, the shadows, dark places, Archie's abs, each ab casting a shadow over the other ab. 
Beautiful. And yeah. let me say real quick, um, referential, reverential, referential moment. Um, this reminded me a lot of Harvey Kinkle from the Chilling mm-hmm. uh, Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, yeah. We get a bunch like, of Sabrina shout outs. We, in get, this we get a couple of Sabrina shout outs in this episode. Aldrich so I appreciate come that. Aldrich Terrors. I appreciate that. We had talked about this episode as maybe having some loose connections to Sabrina. Yeah, so I it's mean, nice if, that they were there. If Archie, you know, goes in, you know, I, and then comes out. I, I, I think it's really kind of a, a hilarious kind of moment. That they what had, is that thought you're having there? Comes into the mines and comes out in Greendale. Is that what you're getting yeah, at? Okay. Exactly. Right. And All turns into what's his name and falls right in love with Sabrina. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, those are the same mindsets from Sabrina, right? That they were just they reusing for this. Yeah. I don't know. You don't maybe just throw this away. <laughs> they have uh, very busy rentals at Vancouver mindsets. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of productions that use them, so I'm glad they got that. I hear it's just uh, over the years they just refurbished City Slicker sets, and it's just been uh-huh. the same set the whole time. Good. City Slickers Everyone knows Legend of Curly's Gold. Yeah, Everybody of course. You're talking about. Oh, yeah. you need this to be a uh, Palladium mine? Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> no problem. I'm, like I'm, a, I'm a Canadian guy. <laughs> So Archie is going to therapy for his PTSD. Jackson is going to the same person at the same time. Cheryl hires them to work in the Palladium mine. She wants to mine it before Hiram can buy the farm and get the Palladium himself. Plus, of course, she wants the money. Uh, And over the course of it, they tell some spooky stories to each other. He hires Fangs, Reggie, Jackson, Uncle Frank, uh, and Kevin, I believe, are the guys that are all working yep. there. They find the Palladium. Of course, it turns out there's a CO2 leak in the mine at the end of the day. Archie goes nuts. Uh, no, just CO. Oh, Carbon just CO. monoxide, right? Oh, Isn't yeah, that? Yeah. Not uh, dyes. Don't, don't get your, your uh, dyes oh, okay. into your Sorry oxides. Uh, how dare you? Uh, well, you, <laughs> you studied chemistry for this podcast, right? I was a chemistry major briefly in college, so um, is that true? technically yes, I was. Yeah, before yeah, I switched I'm... to the much wiser theater. Oh, I went <laughs> into college planning on being a double math theater major, and I switched to theater. Uh, <laughs> wow. Look at us now, uh, Pete. It. A couple of Goodwill Huntings over here. Yeah, Pete I went. went... To, I went to college for the thing that I wanted to do, and then I did that. Oh yeah. Throughout the no, whole wait. Thing. Didn't you go? You went for theater and ended up being a math chemist. Uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. Professionally yeah, yeah. now, right? Yep. Yep. Pete went to college as a Philly cheesesteak major and came out a Philly cheesesteak major. <laughs> That's right. Intent. That's right. I took leisure and society, and I am killing it. So yeah, at leisure. the end of the day, uh, Archie goes a little nuts on his therapist. He thinks she's giving him crazy medication that's driving him crazy, but it is the carbon monoxide that's driving them crazy. Uh, and at the end, he's still dealing with that PTSD, uh, and that's kind of where we leave him. Uh, there's wait, a couple wait, of th- wait. We yes. can't just fo- fast forward through all No, no, of we're the... not. I'm giving a broad overview of what yeah. happened at Archie's okay. storyline. Now we can because... jump back and talk about individual things. The... I-, I did want to mention, actually, one more thing about the painting. Uh, there was an interesting visual motif that was happening in this episode, but I only saw it twice. In the painting of Archie, the miners had glowing red goggles in the background. Yes. And then at the end, the Rat King had glowing red goggles was there something in Betty's also, story with that as well? The Mothman, the, the story that Mangs was telling, had glowing uh, red eyes. Yeah, so there was definitely that visual thing that was going on there that I think was interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't remember thing, seeing. I don't remember yeah. seeing that in Betty's story, but I do think we're gonna we're pointing more and more toward the the Mothman. So I feel like we're just starting to see more of them, and the fact that the Mothman have now bled out of Jughead's story 
his season-long story into Archie's, I think, is interesting. Yeah, well, there's but something, it was and when, this is jumping forward to Jughead's storyline, but I, I think the implication with Jughead's storyline is that there are no Mothman. There's just his trauma and his drinking and getting high on maple mushrooms, and that's what's making him see this stuff, right? Um, or, yes. or it's all Hiram. Or it's Hiram's Hiram. the Mothman. Hiram's, Hiram's the, dressing up as a Mothman and running around yeah. town and scaring people. Hiram right. went to New York and dressed as a Rat King for a little bit. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Crazy. I mean, we can't say it's not out of the realm of possibility. Sure. Um, but I do think, and again, a slight overarching thing, if um, are the characters we focus on here are the characters we've identified as suffering from trauma. Mm-hmm. And like sort of in the suffering phase um, of all the characters on Riverdale, you could say Cheryl has trauma, but she doesn't seem to be suffering from it right now. She's sort of just going about her business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we said that last episode that Veronica sort of feels like whatever trauma she has, maybe from the helicopter crash, it doesn't seem to be affecting her and maybe she's dealt with it. So we really focus on our characters dealing with trauma. So it does make sense that maybe the Mothman thing is sort of a visual signifier of that. But I'm curious how it makes sense that if everyone starts to have the same Mm -hmm. sort of images as their response. The other thing that's going on here thematically that I thought was really strong in the episode, and we talk a lot about how as much as we enjoy Riverdale, sometimes it's like five trades running in the same episode that never really meet each other. Here, they really drove home on this idea of people literally and figuratively being stuck in a hole, like across the board. Like Archie's thing is he had trauma from his time in a foxhole and then he goes down at a mine. For Betty, she was stuck in a hole by the trash bag killer and she goes down this emotional hole, this very dark place. Yeah. And then uh, Jughead literally falls in a sinkhole at the end of the episode and he also talks about hitting rock bottom because of his drink. So you get it on different levels. It's definitely stated out there. It's very obvious and in front of you, but I just appreciated that. I always like when there's a strong devotion to theme, and I think overall it makes it a stronger episode to the point that you're saying, Justin, it really does serve to connect all three of those stories. The flip side is Cheryl, who at the end says she shows off that painting of her and Minerva as Psyche revived by Cupid's Kiss. I believe it's weird because she drew Cheryl herself as Cupid reviving Minerva as Psyche. But I think the flip is true, that she was down. A lot of people talked about, uh, you know, what is Minerva's purpose here? Is she holding on on Tony's territory? But I think ultimately it's exactly what we thought, that she needed to have this fling with Minerva to feel more confident in herself to come out of her shell, and that's exactly what she's saying here. So she's showing off these three other characters who were stuck down in a very low place, but she herself has risen or is starting to rise out of it. I agree with you, Zalvin. I think holes are the new quicksand. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, I think it was, uh, (laughs) I thought it was, uh, it was really fun to see like Archie and his bro friends, like really get into therapy. You know what I mean? Um, I thought it was, they were like, they, they went all in and then it was funny when Archie was losing, it was like, Hey, you gotta stop doing therapy. They're like, no way, bro. I'm just opening it up, kind of dealing with my feelings in this healthy way. I don't want to stop. I thought, I liked that. I thought it was a real nice, uh, kind of moment there. I agree. It was, but the doctor is mean to Archie. 
right? She also gives She's him suspicious. drawer pills. Like, hey, oh, you mentioned pills. Hey, take these pills I keep in this drawer for some reason. Yeah, that's how prescribing prescriptions Was she suspicious? She felt like, honestly, the opposite of suspicious to me. Like, I wanted her to be a little creepier and more Dr. Curdle-esque. Because mm. when Archie came in and started yelling at her, I was like, she hasn't done anything. She's relatively normal person. She's even more normal than Mrs. Burble, who is the most normal character that we've had so far. <laughs> Very suspect. I still, we got to keep our eye on Burble. Mm-hmm. Like She's I always say. Call. Good call. Uh, good call. Yeah. Keep your head on a swivel when Burble's around. <laughs> uh, but I do think the doctor, to Pete's point, the drawer pills, that's not how it works. <laughs> There's a no, whole sure. thing. You try to keep a pharmacist in the middle <laughs> yeah, there. You can't. <laughs> you can't just give someone drawer pharmacy. pills. I mean, that's yeah, that's uh, the only thing that is drawer pills are better than are street pills because at thing. least drawer pills have a label on them. Did you guys watch the extended cup into the episode? Because it turns out Archie's just been having Skittles. Those aren't pills at all. Oh, They're just Skittles man. and driving nuts. It's too man, much great. sugar, man. Taste you can't the rainbow, t- bro. You can't taste the rainbow like that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't but idea also, the rainbow. At the end, uh, despite what Skittles advertising campaign keeps saying, is like these things will give you weird skin rashes. Um I do think at the end, though, when she when he is hallucinating all of the the soldiers that he's dead, um, the dead people from his oh, army days. Yeah. I see dead people. Yeah, she's very much like you. Got to get out of here. I don't know. I don't know how yeah, to help. That you. was I, a little. That was a little like no therapist going to be like you know what helps being on your own uh, by yourself. Like no, the whole point of therapy is so you're like other people are going to try to help you get through this. So that was if your patient saying it's gotten much worse. And she's like, ha, I no no bye bye. I, <laughs> bye, I, bye. I, I got I'm a whole sorry. pill they thing. O- they only hired me for one episode. I'm not a recurring, so yeah. you yeah. gotta get out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, but and that's that what, does, uh, all I was gonna say was that puts Archie in a really bad place going forward because Jackson yeah. actually seems to be dealing with things very well in a reasonable manner. Uncle Frank's obviously trying to help all of them, but Archie Archie's trauma is just getting worse, and unless there is a weird Riverdale explanation, like he has a pocket of carbon monoxide hanging around his head or something like that. There's, which is possible. Again, it's possible, but it's all he cut has up some, in your red hair, Archie. It's red yeah. hair attracts carbon monoxide. Well, he has some real trauma that needs to be dealt with, and it isn't quite as obvious how he deals with it and how he gets past it versus. Jughead, I think, by the end of the episode, has a very clear path of what needs to happen with him. He's been getting help, it looks like. Betty somewhat. I mean, there's certainly a lot we can discuss there when we get to her storyline. But Archie... Betty's doing perfect. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) Archie Archie has some problems that are real-life problems that he's going to need to deal with, and they're not going to be solved by just saving Riverdale, you know? And he keeps getting more and more isolated, to your point from earlier, like... All of his friends are feeling like this therapist is helping him. This therapist is like, you can't be here anymore. And he's not getting, he's getting worse. It feels like Frank is sort of like, I'm trying, but I'm not reaching you. He's not around any of his other friends. Like the isolation is real, no matter how bad this therapist is or suspicious the therapist is. The real danger is, I think, the isolation. Yeah, I did really like the parallel that Archie had when he first started losing his mind and he kind of like woke up from the nap and they were all like really tired in the kind of like construction uh, little thing there. And that was a, f- a fun moment. And he's like, wait, where's Kevin? And he kind of re- you're like, you can't let somebody go alone like you can't leave a, a soldier. So like I thought that like was very cool kind of like tipping point for like Archie slowly losing it. I thought that was a really cool well, way I to thought, do that. I mean, that was an Easter egg, right? 
because you know you don't want to leave somebody named Kevin alone somewhere all by themselves because that's going to create problems. So yeah. I was surprised we didn't see some sort of wet bandits coming out of the mine mm. or something like that. The real Mothmen are the wet bandits. <laughs> yeah. um, I also thought there's some fast and loose uh, uh, energy to some of the science behind this episode. Whether sure. carbon monoxide, they're like, yeah, it just makes you see stuff. I was like, no, it kills you if you don't get away from it. <laughs> yeah. And same thing with it. rabies. I was like, is it rabies? rabies? You can't yeah. cure rabies. Yeah. I, I don't rabies. have rabies. There was a lot of loose stuff to Jughead's storyline in particular. I, I yeah. wrote this down. I won't be able to find it quickly enough. But that line that Jughead had is where he's Oh yeah, where he's talking about sinkholes. He's like, yeah, yes, I, I wrote this stuff. Yeah, it's rare, but I guess it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so casual. Yeah. Which was like, yeah, like he was like, not very often, but it happens. I don't know. No, it's but, like, get out of here. <laughs> Archie busting into the doctor's office and being like, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I've been losing my mind because I've been working on a mind and uh, CO2 leaked everywhere. It was like, wait, that was just a, a really ridiculous, fun thing to say out loud. Again, yeah. I got it wrong earlier, so I feel free to correct you now. It's actually CO, not CO2. CO. I'm an expert on this, so any questions CO, come to me. let me be honest, guys. You're surrounded by CO2 right now, so <laughs> oh, you, may be, you may be hallucinating. Well. <laughs> I think I'm hallucinating about a podcast. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> Trippy. Wake me up three days later. So a couple of other things I wanted to call out about Archie's storyline that I thought were fun or interesting. Uh, the EMDR that the therapist talks about, the eye movement desensitization yep. and reprocessing, oh, is actually yes. a real thing. Yeah, that's uh, the real. therapist do, which I thought was kind of neat. Uh, loved a couple of Cheryl lines here. Her entering and they're offering her beer and her just saying, no. Very fun. And then listing all mean. of yeah, Cheryl She's was mean. mean, a mean boss. But the Cheryl entrance thing was very interesting because she was kind of like, hey, it turns out somebody knows something that I didn't know. Like her being the last to know about the Palladium was really a fun moment. But also like gave me like this moment of like, oh, man, I would love to have been there when someone told Cheryl and she's like, what? You know, it was. Uh, well, also, was- when. Was Cheryl last in the Andrews house? Because I feel like seeing her come down the kitchen, I was like, was that season two? Was that like the last time she was there? That's weird. Maybe yeah, even wow. season one. But uh, her listing all of Archie's jobs was very funny. Very well. fun. A thing we've done many yes. times. That was great. <laughs> and, and Cheryl's outfit when she walked in was dope. Pretty oh, wild yeah. outfit. Uh, very cool. Cheryl killing it as always. Now, here's a big moment we need to talk about. We've talked a lot about hashtag man Monica potentially rising on the show, right? Veronica, obviously not in this episode. But there does seem to be a new ship that's teased here where when they're all praying before they go into the mine, Reggie winks at Nana Rose. Do you think hashtag Regnog? Regnog? Regnog. Hashtag Regnog. Is that rising? Is it happening? Um, Is this going to get in the way of hashtag Papa Nana? (laughs) I did think it was funny. Uh, Sorry, uh, I just (laughs) went into a hallucinogenic state uh, and you waved that many hashtags in front of me. Um, um, Yet nothing can stand between uh, Papa Nana, of course, uh, Pate and Nana. But that's already in in the past. That is something that we will see in... It's yes. On the present. Definitely. Uh, always. We're always in that. But I, I did think it was uh, interesting where Cheryl was like, everybody hold hands. And then Frank was just kind of like, Meh, Uncle Frank doesn't hold hands. 
Well, he probably doesn't want to buy into Cheryl's uh, wildly nonsensical Cult. religion. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is a fair choice. Another thing to get back to the Mothman, Fangs tells that story about them and how the truckers talk about them. And the way that he talks about them, he's not talking about Mothman. He's talking about something else that we've speculated about a little bit on the season, which is Chuds, which I think the there was the student of Jugheads who wrote the story about Chuds and was like, nah, just kidding. There's no Chuds. Don't worry about it or something like that. Vaguely forgetting, I'm definitely forgetting exactly what went on that storyline. But I feel, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I yes. feel like I feel like Chuds are more reasonable than Mothman. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Like in your daily uh-huh. interactions. Uh, what about aliens dipped in barrels of maple syrup? My only thing with Chuds, because I think I was maybe suggesting Chuds at sure. one point, um, is where are they? <laughs> what are they? Where are they? What are they? The under? mines. They're in the mines. That could be. And is that maybe this perhaps um, putting that theory on a theory you've had? You had maybe last episode that there is more of a group of um, truck drivers. Maybe mm-hmm. they're Chud drivers who are they emerge from their underworld to drive trucks for work and murder um, and then return to their underworld. And that's the way they plan. And they have red um, flashlights. It would be really interesting if the Mothman thing and the trucker thing all tied together with the Palladium thing, because there are this group of truckers who are hiding uh, girls and dead bodies and whatever in the mines and then rounding yeah. them up, so you get or the in Chud the, thing. The marsh, we don't you know get if the Chud thing. Them. You see, well, hold on. What I'm saying is, like, they could all connect because this whole Pyram plot of mining under the Blossom Farms ultimately could lead to a reveal of some place that these truckers are stashing all the dead bodies. Potentially, that is not the swamp. I think that's a great call, um, and the White Worm is underground. So anybody that's there is sort of a Chud, the Chud yeah. dancer. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I also do think that's a way to maybe connect the white worm can be a sort of a way they get into that and start to maybe find some clues. It also fits with this theme that you identified of everyone being in a hole or underground because we know that Jug has a, has a lot of experience having rats in his mouth. <laughs> no, not. He rats. kept his mouth closed so no rats would get in his mouth. Oh, rat got in his mouth. <laughs> just I'm covered in rats. You can't just keep your mouth closed and a rat's like, nothing to see in there. He had a mat rat in his mouth. And a junkhead the entire time was like, mm-mm, 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 How does this play on an audio podcast? I'm, I'm closing my mouth very tightly. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's clear what you're doing. Um, it made me think, though, that maybe you had a rat in your mouth that you didn't want to let out. <laughs> I mean, let's find out. All the rest and we all know, just for the listener, Alex is not ashamed of saying that he is often being ratatouille <laughs> when we're doing this podcast. Absolutely. He's being driven by it's a, the only a way rat. I can do it. Yeah, it's in my yeah. hair all the time, telling me what to mm-hmm. say. Yeah, uh, it's tough too because the rat is a Papa Nana shipper, but I ship uh, Regneg. <laughs> And uh, no. we fight about well, it all the time. I bet. I bet. I, my feeling is the rat is a barchi shipper, like all real, all real mm-hmm. heads. And you're well, that's piloting you. That's why you're so insincere. Let's let's save the barchi sure. bughead talk for the end of the episode, or at least the third storyline, because that plays. In I, I would like to just say though that like the seeing 
Archie kind of like really struggling, spiraling out and stuff like that. Like there was this kind of like interesting sense of like, it's good to see him like, hopefully he can, once he's spun out, like try to get help to get him back. So like, as kind of like uh, scary as it was, it was also uh, good for him. So it was like this kind of interesting duality uh, that he's kind of struggling with. So I, I enjoyed it. Let's move on and talk about Betty's storyline. So in this one, she's captured this trucker. She's holding him uh, in, as we speculated, very secret place, the high school over the weekend. No, it's in the shop. Mm -hmm. Who wants to go to shop class? And she tries a bunch of different methods to try to find out what happened to Polly, what happened to the other girls. The trucker isn't giving up anything. He's playing with her. Over the course of it, we finally get oh. a really good view about the horrific things that happened to her when she was being held by the trash bag killer. And ultimately, Alice uh, encourages her to just straight up kill this guy. Gives her permission. Yes. Gives, her Gives her mommy's per- permission yeah. to go kill this guy. Mommy said. Mommy says. And then at the end, she doesn't do it. The guy instead bites his tongue and swallows his tongue and dies. Uh, yeah. And Betty has to figure out what's going to happen next. Specifically, she has decided that there is a family of killers hunting together, which, again, I think really ties into this Chud's living in the mines theory being behind everything. I think it's fair to say we're all in on the Chud theory, right, guys? Uh, Push the money into the middle of the table. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about oh, this. I okay. thought, uh, Pete, I want to turn it over to you, actually, because this is the Chainsaw Betty storyline, and you had to love your this. dream. Yeah, it's my dream scenario. But she was smart. In the beginning, she goes, listen, Tabitha, this is where your part ends, okay? Uh, Dark Betty will take it from here. I don't need you for this part. It's not good for you. You stay here. I'll take it from here. I thought that it was great. I'm glad that Tabitha recognized, like, okay, yeah, I don't want to get in the middle of this. Um, I really loved the way Betty handled this. Also, lot of kind of interesting Betty reveal stuff here, like her back and forth of like what to do, how to get to this person was very interesting. And also like, I thought she just went into dark Betty mode, but where she got the things she was saying was such a uh, creepy reveal. And then when she finally gets the chainsaw and you see her just like kind of going to work, kind of walk with the, with it was such a fun moment. But then like, uh, you know, the fun is kind of taken away from her a little bit, but very interesting reveal. I don't think she was having that much fun at any uh, point. I don't think so either. This was like very dark. This was the, the darkest of the three tales um, uh, by my mind. And just seeing Betty go through it and you hear her threaten the the trucker um, with how she's going to... Um, cut his appendages off. Yeah. And then a couple moments later, you hear that it's the trash bag, bag killer was saying that to her. Yeah. yeah. Like that was like, she's becoming the thing that traumatized her. Well, she was just using that information that she had gathered from somebody. No, no, one no, no. This, is, to this has always been Betty's storyline across five seasons of Riverdale at this point, that she's always been worried that she's going to turn into the darkest thing possible, right. whether it's her father or in this case, the trash bag killer or any of, those things and she's always on the edge here alice certainly is pushing her in this episode very hard to go in that direction but i think to her credit she's not willing to go that far yet or at least maybe she would have gone that far but happenstance or circumstance keeps preventing her from doing that and she realizes she needs to pull herself back 
Well, and there was a, a nice moment where Alice was like, all right, kill him. And she's like, uh, I'm yeah. sort of not <laughs> wanting to do that. Um, so I, I do think she's not fully gone. It's just she gets in these moments where she's frustrated and stressed and can't find her way back to her sister or even her sister's body um, if she has been killed. And she just, you know, freaks out, touches that abyss, goes into the dark Betty side of things. And um, they've done a really good job of parceling that out over the series to get to a place like where where we are now. There's an amazing Betty line where she's like, you're not in the United States anymore. You're in Riverdale. And that, I mean, come on. That is just. It's a good line. It's also factually accurate because they're not incorporated anymore. Uh, so yeah. technically, yeah. he's not in the United States. So also, she was just so many know. crazy things have happened in Riverdale. Like it would be the scariest place to find yourself. Yeah. What would what would you guys do if one day someone was like, you woke up and was like, "Hey, motherfucker, guess what? <laughs> You're, You're in Riverdale Riverdale. now. Like, no! You're in the TV show like Pleasantville style. Oh, would man. you be like, oh shit, who am I? Uh, yeah. Am I Moose? Oh, please. Am I in the scenario? Am I chained up in the back of the car shop over the weekend at Riverdale High, or did I just like wake up in the five seasons? Hey, did you wake up and yeah. you were chained to a fridge? Like what? What? Yeah. Where were? You, where am I chained in this scenario? Yeah, exactly. Right. What you, Are you at a video store? Like, what's up? I would be like, please tell me um, whose hot dad I am. <laughs> <Okay>. Wow. <laughs> I would, I'm just I'm not saying it's not a flex. I'm that's just saying I wish that's the dream role. That's the dream role. Yeah, okay. I think so. I'd probably be like, oh, man, this is so cool. I'm a background character at Pops. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, honestly, yeah. that doesn't work out so well for those folks. No, it doesn't. They usually they get, get shot to drink milkshakes all day. They do. That's true. They are very good looking milkshakes. Uh, back to the Betty storyline. So there are a lot of great moments throughout here, as we talked about. I thought the villain here was really good as well. Yeah. Just very creepy. And I liked yeah. how they kept ratcheting things up with the way that he seems to know what somebody is. Oh my God, the way he listed things Mm -hmm. about her and then was like, I have no idea. Oh, so this is, this is another thing that indicates to me. And obviously we don't know how much this guy is telling the truth or not, but that there is some sort of conspiracy is the wrong word, but like greater connection here. He even talks about how all the truckers talk about everything. So I think we speculated last episode that maybe on Greg's list or whatever they call it, that people potentially are talking and sharing information. And that certainly seems to be what's going on here. My big question is, does the trucker kill himself at the end because he's scared of what Betty is going to do to him? Or does he kill himself because he doesn't want to give up more information on whatever is really going on? Well, I think it's good we're going to find out that there's a larger conspiracy going on here um, that is sort of alluded to over the course of Betty's story, um, that she thinks there are more of them out there. And I think he was like, because he didn't seem too scared of Betty at any point. Um, maybe she he was like, oh, she's getting to a breaking point. Um, but I think he was like, basically suicide pilled himself mm-hmm. um, in the spy world to well, uh, take him out so he wouldn't reveal well, yeah, that's interesting because we're waiting on the autopsy report to find out what exactly killed him. But Betty is saying like he bit his own tongue out and then choked on it. Um, it could be another family member that maybe snuck in and took care of why she was getting the chainsaw. Or I was thinking my first thought was Betty's mom did that. Mm. That's what I thought, too, as well. But I I think 
what she said about him choking was horrifying and probably what Yeah, happened. very detailed that made it kind of sound true. Yeah. It also, this is another bigger thing about Riverdale that I feel like people have asked questions about a lot, the whole serial killer gene thing. And the show has always said, oh, the serial killer gene definitely comes from Hal Cooper. It comes from Alice, right? Like, Alice straight up is... It comes from F-Palace. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I think based on the way that Alice reacts to every situation where she's like, well, I guess we got to clean up this dead body. Well, I guess we got to kill this person. Yeah, she I does mean, go there very quickly. Yes, I don't need someone to run the Alice's genes to be like, yeah, she's not a great influence on me. <laughs> she is doing a very nice cross stitch though of Juniper and Dagwood earlier in the episode. That was very fun. At first, second, I was like, is that Jason and Cheryl Blossom? Uh, and I was like, that's fucked up any which way. Also, the, one of the creepier things in the episode is just her doing a cross stitch. Yes. Uh. Creepy, creepy craft. I think we can all agree on that. Creepy craft. Let's move to the last storyline, which is Jughead's storyline. This is set at Rabies. This is set at an AA session back at Riverdale High. Uh, He is admitting that he's an alcoholic, and he walks us basically through his whole history from high school up until this very moment, up until now. Uh, And we find out he did go to the Iowa Writers Workshop every night. He got drunk, basically, on whiskey. He wrote his book, sent it to Sam Pansky. Mr. Hot Dog. Mr. Hot Dog. I do want to just mention the the portrait of Jughead there with the crown. I mean, that was just that was just magical. It was really that nice. was a nice one. I like the Rat yeah. King Jughead painting. Yeah. Maybe best yeah. of all. Ooh. Mm. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Wait, real quick. Which was your favorite? Pete, I know you liked Chainsaw Betty, right? Chainsaw Betty all day. Or Justin, day. which one was your favorite? I got to go uh, Rat King Jughead as well. Yeah, good one. So we find out that he had a YA hit. We finally find out kind of what went on with this phone call and with Betty. We got the big revelation that they kept in touch while they were in college yeah. and talked and called each other. We get the Bughead theme is back in the background. Yes, I mean, that's what I wanted to say, like... That was real. That was a bughead moment. Pete, mm-hmm. how did you feel seeing that? The phone call before shit got nasty. When she was out in the hallway phone call? Yes, when he said, I got an agent. When he yeah. said, I met Mr. Hot Dog, my agent. Well, yeah. that whole point of like, uh, you know, what, you know, he's like, you're my agent? Like, that was sweet. That was fun. Uh, yeah. The fact I'm that sorry. Made- we just asked you out, bughead, and you talked bughead, about your Pete. new favorite ship, which is uh, Panhead? Hot dog head. Hot dog head. Yeah. Uh, pants ski. Uh, listen, I just thought it was a nice moment. I wanted to not skip by was my point. Don't be an sure. asshole. But what what I really liked about this was, was the fact that like. Oh, he's, he's broken. Pete's broken. Hat <laughs> bug head. What, yeah. what I really liked about this is it I don't know if you guys could hear that on the podcast, important. but a gear just popped out of yeah. Pete's ear. Very strange. Showed how important <laughs> these two uh, being together are. Like, we can't not talk about it. It's always being talked about. Nobody cares about Archie and Betty anymore. Like, it's always, uh, uh, you know, Jughead and Betty. So it's nice to see the roots of this and why it can't end, because this is clearly there's so much stuff that needs to be talked about, that needs to be kind of, like, uh, uh, worked with here a little bit, whether that's, you know, uh, how that's going to go. But it gives me hope, and it makes me excited. 
So here's the thing that I thought was well, really that voicemail that he left was awful. That was just he calls awful. it a toxic voicemail. So he's very yeah. well aware that he did stuff wrong. He's going to AA, so he's trying to make himself better and get out of this hole that he currently is in. He tells a wild story, meandering story, classic Jughead, where everyone's yeah. like, "What are you? What? Are, what story? I are you love talking yeah, about? the middle of the story. They're like, wait, how much is actually true, guy? Like, what's well, happening? And he's like, I can't tell you. Imagine it at that AA meeting. Being like, all right, thanks, Jughead. Anyone want to go now? And like, uh, I'm going to follow that. Well, yeah, also that's my his story. Next. His story was like 15 minutes of story meandering all over the place. And he's like, yeah, anyway, it turned out I was covered in rats. So now. Yeah. Very now I'm watching my drink. detail. The entire time I was watching it, I was like, this wasn't that bad. He fell in a sinkhole. I'm sure that hurt his legs a little bit. And then he Not slept on a mattress for one night, maybe, or something. And then he got out of there, and I was like, what is your trauma, dude? Like, what actually was the issue here? And it turns out, tossed off, that he was covered in rats, which is a legitimate source of trauma. And that's how he got rabies. He had a bad case of rat blanket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing that I wanted to say about Bughead, though, is these scenes were great. I thought they were really good. Definitely tug on your heartstrings while you're watching them. But these scenes of the storyline is about Jughead, not Betty. And not necessarily Bughead, but what Bughead means to Jughead, which I think is really smart and interesting and a good distinction to make because Jughead clearly has this trauma of everything that went on there, uh, of her not coming to the book party, of her being far away, of always thinking about her even when he is with Jessica. But that's not what Betty's trauma is about, at least in this episode. Betty's trauma is about TBK and what she went through there, and that's what she needs to deal with. So when we get the eventual conversation down the road, and I believe that's coming in another two episodes at this point, Jughead does need it. Like, he needs to work through and make his apologies and figure out his stuff. I'm sure, like we've speculated, we're going to find out these two things are tied together. She was thrown in a hole by the, the trash bag killer, and that's why she couldn't come to the book party, which I think is the excuse I always give when I don't come to parties. Yeah, But mm. I think ultimately Betty has less to say about the trauma of the relationship probably because that's not the source of her trauma versus Jughead where it is. Well, I agree uh, with all of that. And I also think this was a very sad episode, I think, for Bughead in general. Like, this whole run, you just see their relationship is sort of like, a go- it's a ghost of their relationship. And Betty's, like, fully removed from Jughead to the point that he imagines her coming for him when she wouldn't. Yeah. Like, he need- well, needed her. don't say she wouldn't. She didn't. Motherfucker, she ate fucking mushrooms and went through the Battle of the Axis in the sex bunker a while ago. Don't say she uh, wouldn't. Well, I think I I don't think it's about wouldn't or couldn't. I think it's more about the fact that Jughead looks at her as the savior figure. And that's not what she is. It's not her job to save Jughead. It's Jughead's job to do exactly what he's doing right now, which is go to AA, work on yourself, talk to Betty apologize to her for the way that you treated her and these toxic voicemail and all of these other things and stop thinking about Betty as this deific figure who is going to save him whenever he's down. It's the same thing that happened in the sex bunker with the maple mushrooms where he saw her as high school Betty. That's not who she is anymore. She has moved on from that. He needs to as well. Yeah, like maybe if he showed her the rat blanket he's sewn together to keep himself warm, she might be with impressed living with living rats. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, it's true. Point. She might be impressed to find out that a rat never got into his mouth. Be like, wow, you were covered in them? 
but they never got into your mouth. Let's That's date impressive. again. Yeah, yeah. Let's. <laughs> it's very impressive. Let's date again, but then we reveal that he's actually being rat tattooed and has been for quite some time. Oh man, oh, man, crazy. Uh, I mean, the the clues are there. There's yeah. a tiny rat running Jughead. That's Absolutely. my theory. You, you know what my but, theory is? It's not rat tattooy. It's that bear that attacked Archie. The bear has wanted uh, Betty the whole time, so he's going to be trying to uh, rat tattooy uh, you know, Jughead. You're talking about bear tattooey, the sequel. Yeah, bear tattooey is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Pixar never got off the ground. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a bear tattooey. Tiny, it's a tiny tattoo. Tiny, it's Paddington. Tattooey. <laughs> uh, so, but I, I just want to say though, like the Betty comes for him. Uh, in his dream. And right. uh, he makes reference to um, Orpheus and Eurydice here in a way which mm-hmm. I thought was cool. But he looks to her and she – the myth is that he – if you guys don't know that, like to, to be reinforced myself as the myth, mythology guy here. In our, I know this in our myth, but go ahead. Go oh, ahead, wow. I Very pugnacious about this. Uh, Orpheus is like, you can leave hell. Are and, you trying to um, say Morpheus? No, it's Orpheus, different okay. guy. Yeah, you I'll, can tell, leave hell. I'll tell the story of Morpheus and Neo after this. But yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> another of our famous myths. Uh, you can leave with your um, your partner, Eurydice, um, as long as you don't look back for her. You have to trust that she's there. You have to. You can go out. If you look back once, she's stuck in hell for the rest of time. Wow. And he uh, he does over the course of it. It's a great, truly one of the best myths. Uh, dramatically speaking, he looks back. She's he she is there despite the fact that he didn't think she was. She falls back into hell. He's sad. And I do think that's maybe the metaphor for at least what Bughead is right now. Like he's looking to her, and she's not there. She's fallen back into her own personal hell because of the trash bag killer and all the stuff she's dealing with. I like that. I can I can get down with that explanation. And, and again, though, I think it's not that they're separate storylines. It's just that Betty has things to deal with. Jughead has things to deal with. But the things that Jughead did to deal with is his feelings for Betty and everything that is tied up in that. And he needs I just, to figure out a way to get past that. I, I, think. I, I just figured it out. This is how they're going to get back together, okay? Mm-hmm. okay. Uh, Betty's okay. going to murder the trash bag killer, and then laying there in trash is going to be Jughead. And she's going to... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's going to brush all the rats off of them, and then... Um, they're going to realize that they need each other, and they're going to fall back in love. Just the ultimate to jump drug back. Yeah. is rats. It's being covered in rats. That's oh, the next time. When I was in college, I spent most of my days coffee during the day. As soon as the light came down, rats. That's <laughs> <laughs> unhealthy to transition directly from coffee right into a rat blanket. Did yeah. This is the first episode that we heard the trash bag killer's voice, I think. Did it give you any yeah. indications? Do you feel like it was a familiar voice at all? I mean, no. Do you know but, something? Uh, Are you no, trying? I, to, uh, I have no idea. There's lots of theories that is Glenn is the trash bag killer. So I was definitely trying to listen to it, be like, yeah. is this Glenn's voice? But Glenn? I don't think so. Say I think something about just... the cat, Glenn. You fucking asshole. What about the cat? Yeah, that would have been a big tell if the trash bag killer was like, in the future, I'm going to sit for your cat toffee. You don't know who I am. Also, don't yeah. listen to some guy who keeps talking about a briefcase idea. It's not going to work. <laughs> what I've invented here, Betty, and for, let me, I'll get back to how I'm going to cut off your hands. But what I've invented here is a briefcase where you put the cat in, and one half of the briefcase is filled with cat food, and the other half is filled with kitty litter. So the cat is in a contained environment. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. 
Any other notes about the Jughead story? Uh, It was nice seeing Jessica again. I think she's a good character that keeps popping back up again. And overall, it was interesting how this one felt a little more noir, which is true to Jughead, versus the Betty stuff and the Archie stuff. But overall, great episode. And the last thing that happens. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say the the, he also he goes, I can't conjured the Rat King. And there was kind of like this. Uh, magical moment here with uh, so I the, there was a, it was a lot of fun r- really intense uh, kind of crazy over the top Riverdale lines in this episode and it reminded me of the movie The Fisher King which mm-hmm. has some uh, sort of definitely visual similarities to what's happening here and fe- it's not a horror movie it's uh, it's an old Robin Williams Jeff Bridges movie um, oh yeah and about sort of mental illness in a lot of ways. So I, I do think it fit this. It fits the show. It definitely, I was like, Oh, this is a bit wilder than the other mm-hmm. less horror, more like wild sort of big magic, uh, magical realism. That was why it was so surprising to me that there was so little focus on being covered in rats because that was the actual yeah. horrifying part, but or very talk, talk about rabies or once uh, you get rabies, uh, how do you deal with rabies? To be fair, in my time covered in rats, I don't bring it up a lot as the sort of punchline to the story. It's often just a side detail. Shoot. Like, why are you late? Oh, I was I couldn't covered get my, my my car didn't work at the store. It was crazy. The guy was such a jerk covered in rats. And then I made my way home. <laughs> the last thing uh, we got here, though, that I wanted to mention, Minerva and Cheryl, as we talked about, they kiss right at the end there. Minerva is leaving town for South Africa, I believe. I actually didn't write it down to do some painting stuff for a good long time. She mentions Angry Eldrick Teller, which Pete said earlier. Fun little shout out to her time as Agatha on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. But with Minerva and Cheryl spending one last night together, that clears the decks for Shoney to come back, which is very exciting. Before we wrap up here, any other moments from the episode that you guys wanted to call out in particular? Oof. Um, Oof. I mean, lots. how many times have you guys just walked out of an alley in the East Village? You know what I mean? And been like, man, I lost a couple of days. I'm surprised that New York City cops would even care. Like, New York City cops would <laughs> yeah. see a guy and be like, man, eh, move along. Yeah. Get out of here, kid. Uh, go back to your rat king. Uh, I mean, uh, Jughead's story ended very sadly. I was struck by him talking about how he's completely alone. No one missed him. And now he's dealing with the wreckage of his life. I mean, he's like, like what? He's like 25 um, mm-hmm. in this in the show. And he's like, my life is essentially over. Uh, th- that's a low place for him. And I'm curious how how we're going to take all these characters across the board. Archie, Betty who are really just like mess up low points and find a way to come back together while also sort of resolving these horrifying plots that they're mm-hmm. dealing with. And then you have Veronica and Reggie who are in like a totally other universe. They're just like wheeling and dealing in the back of a jewelry store. So again, just another, I do not doubt that this show will bring all the threads together in a satisfying way, but that's why I like the way they're pushing the the borders here. And it's, yeah. Uh, I give uh, Pansky a lot of credit for when he was talking about how excited they are about YA not looking directly into the camera. I thought that was impressive. And I like the fact that he's able to hold up two jobs, working as a literary agent and also as the Rat King, which doesn't pay a lot of money, but takes up a lot of time because you're ruling all the rats. But if you are the Rat King, you get free hot dogs. So, Oh, man. Do the rats bring them to you? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Is a rat king the king of rats or just a king that like is or has a lot of rats around? That's a great question, and we will address that on next week's episode. Before we wrap up here, who was the MVP? We better. We better cover it. <laughs> well, next week is Return of the Pussycats, which I think is going to bring back the rat king. Not 100% sure, but oh, pussycats, well, I mean, rats. Cats, cats, cats mm-hmm. loved rats, eating them. They, they do. Who was the MVP of the episode? Pete, I'll turn it to you for your sure-to-be-surprising answer. Chainsaw Betty. <laughs> Man, you oh. forgot your catchphrase. Yeah. Pete? All chainsaw, air chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, great. Justin, over to you. MVP um, of the episode. MVP of this episode. I mean, I gotta, I mean, I'm gonna, this is a little bit not what this is for, I but uh, make dynamic. I got to say Major Amick on this because, like, this was one of my favorite episodes and the direction had a lot to do with it. And also her performance was good. She was scary as hell in her section. Yeah. Uh, if I could also add an MVP, the uh, artist who did all the paintings was really is mm-hmm. uh, MVP for sure. Yeah, this is a tough one. I thought everybody was really good and fun in this episode. Um I'm going to give it over to Betty, too, though, because that storyline was great. Lily Reinhardt killed it absolutely in here. And her scenes were just so tense. Like when she gets yeah. razor focused like that, same thing sort of happened with the Edgar Evernever storyline uh, and some of the Hal Cooper stuff as well. But it just like puts her, elevates her to another level. Um, but overall, just really, really good episode of Riverdale, which is very exciting. If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale After on Twitter, at Riverdale Dark on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark. I mix those up. Twitter is Riverdale Dark. Instagram is Riverdale After. Facebook is Riverdale After Dark. So check out those places. Not the other thing that I said. In your social media, always keep them slightly different. Yeah, yeah. That's what they say. Listen, man, I set them up a while ago, and uh, that's the way it is. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Alex, feed your rat tattooie. Oh, yeah. He doesn't talk like that, though. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.